Acts chapter 19. Last week we began uh, looking at Acts 19 and talked about biblical revival, and uh, I'm going to continue, I'm going to just read again a really wonderful definition given by John Piper on revival, and he says it this way, in the history of the church, the term revival in its most biblical sense has meant a sovereign work of God in which the whole region of many churches and many Christians has been lifted out of spiritual indifference and worldliness and into conviction of sin, earnest desire for more of Christ and His Word, boldness and witness, purity of life, lots of conversions, joyful worship, renewed commitment to missions, and so forth. And when it happens, he says, you feel that God has moved here. Last week, we uh, began looking at Acts chapter 19. I talked about a number of historical revivals, and then we asked the question, what accompanies revival? So we uh, got a little bit through that, and we're going to go the rest of the way through today. I would like to pray, and then I'm going to recap last week and then jump into this week. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are grateful for your work here and for all that you're doing. We pray that your blessing would come afresh on us, Lord as people that want to know your word and your truth, as people that want to walk on the narrow road. Holy Spirit, come. Make us people that love the word of God, that are willing to stand up and stand out if necessary because of our Christian faith. I pray your blessing, God, on our families and health. I pray your blessing on singleness. I pray your blessing on those with children and those who don't have children. Lord, I pray your blessing on those who are sick, that they would be made well, I pray your blessing on finances just of everyone in this church and also this church as a whole. Lord, we ask your blessing on our children's church. We ask your blessing on our outreaches. We ask your blessing on the missions that we are are, uh, supporting. We ask your blessing just on, on worship and on teaching. And just now in this service, in this room, we say, Holy Spirit, express yourself. Have your way in us. We give you permission Do whatever you would do in us, Lord. We just long and wait for your light to shine. So come. Lord, teach us and inspire us and convict us this morning through your word. We ask that we'd have ears to hear you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, last week, a very quick recap. We looked at Acts 19, which is a a place where Paul and Luke Uh, among others, are preaching. They end up at Ephesus, and some wonderful things and some difficult things begin to happen. To recap last week, we talked about what accompanies revival using this passage as a pattern uh, and as a model, as it were. And the first thing we noticed was that it all began with an outpouring of the Spirit. In verse 6 of Acts 19, which we won't read again, but it simply says that the Holy Spirit came upon those who were gathered. And uh, this is a tangible presence. Sometimes it occurs when you're alone. Sometimes it occurs in mass when a group is together, such as this group, such as this group. And when it happens, it's something that is palpable in the room. And we don't want to get too weird or mystical, but we kind of want to get weird and mystical. There's a reason in Acts 2, 43, when the Spirit came on the people and everything began happening at Pentecost the first time, 
and I read this last week, and I'll, I'll say it again. It said everyone felt a sense of awe. Okay? So that's the, that's the palpable presence of the Holy Spirit in a group. And John Piper said the same thing. You feel God has moved here. Is that an okay word to use in, in an evangelical church? Feel? Like, we gotta, we gotta be careful with feel, okay? We do. We gotta be careful. Um, because right now, there are people trying to monetize feelings because of what God's doing right now. And it's okay. It happened in Acts. They tried to buy, hey, we'll pay so that we can fill people with the Holy Spirit. Paul's like, I wouldn't do that to God if I were you. It's not good, gonna go well for you. But there is something to, with a pure heart, with checks and balances, feeling that God has moved. And again, Acts 2.43, it's, it's a verse just to think about for a week. They were all together, and it says they all just kept feeling a sense of awe. And isn't it wonderful when that happens? We know that we know that we know that, the, as C.S. Lewis called it, the numinous, the spirit, the breath of God is among us, and he's making himself known. And it's, it's a beautiful thing when that happens. So that was the beginning. And then the next thing that we talked about uh, was the empowering of believers. It simply said in verse 8 that they were bold, they were emboldened, they were fearless as they went out and they shared their Christian faith. And then the third thing that we looked at last week was that it seems that a thing that accompanies the outpouring of the Spirit and revival is that it spreads like fire and evangelism. And it took, in one verse, it gave a two-year uh, time frame, and it said that all that lived in Asia heard about it. So that was tens of thousands of people, and that wasn't because Paul and Luke were doing all the work. It's because all the people at the meetings were experiencing God, and they were going out back to their job, and they're cooking a hamburger or lifting a box or, you know, taking an appendix out or whatever their job was, and as they were doing that, all their coworkers were like, what happened? What's and, you're, you're, and they said, God's moving. Like, he moved over there in that meeting in Ephesus. And I'm going back Friday or I'm going back Sunday and he's going to move again. And it's incredible. And it spread. It says the word was growing mightily. And as we look at historic revivals, um, the, the Great Awakenings, the Welsh Revival, the Chinese uh, Revival that's happening right now, and then the Third Wave Revival. Many of you have probably watched uh, the new movie that's come out. I think it's called Jesus Revolution, something like that. And a great movie. haven't seen it yet, but it's the story of Calvary Chapel. Well, it's the Jesus Movement, Calvary Chapel, out of which came the vineyard. So it's a really applicable story to us, and it just spread as God worked. Well, let's go back to the scripture now and look at the last a little bit of this as we just recapped last week. We're going to start in verse 9 of Acts 19. If you're new to the Bible, this is in the New Testament right after the Gospels of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And now we have Acts, and we're going to start in verse 9 and read through to verse 29. So this is after the first three things, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the empowering believers, and then it spread like wildfire. Starting at verse 9 of Acts 19. <clears throat> When some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the multitude, Paul withdrew from them and took his disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And he took place, this took place for two years, that all that lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Verse 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and diseases were leaving them. Evil spirits went out. Some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the spirits the name of Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus who Paul preaches. And seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief, uh, chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said, I recognize Jesus. I know all about Paul, but who are you? 
And the man in whom had the evil, was the evil spirit leaped on them. He subdued all seven of them, overpowered them. They fled out of the house naked and wounded. So don't ever try that. Verse 17, this came known to all, both the Jews and Greeks who live in Ephesus. Fear fell upon them in the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together. They began burning them in the sight of all, and they counted up the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. Whew. So the, Lord, the, the word of the Lord was growing mightily, and it was prevailing. After these things were finished, Paul purposed in his spirit to go to Jerusalem after he passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, After I've been there, I must see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of those that ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. And about the same time, there arose no small disturbance concerning the way. The way is what they were calling Christianity at the beginning. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines in Artemis, uh, of Artemis was bringing no small business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades. He said, men, you know our prosperity depends on this business. You see here that not only in Ephesus, but almost all through Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned a number of people away, saying that our gods aren't gods at all, but made by the hands of men. And not only is there danger that this trade of ours will fall into disrepute, <laughs> but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be recognized as worthless, and she who all Asia and the world worship should even be dethroned from her magnificence. And when they heard this, they were filled with rage. They began crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And the city was filled with confusion. They rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions with, from Macedonia. And we'll stop there. So I read that extra part because it's very important that we include all of this. So, what accompanies revival? Well, we talked about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of believers, the spreading, and the next thing is persecution. And we just, and we have to do justice to the Scripture, and we have to talk about this. When the pot is stirred, particularly about a preaching of repentance, this will be the result. When a quickening happens, those with sensitive hearts are saved. And repent. But when a quickening happens, those with rock-hard hearts get angry. Remember what they did to Jesus and Paul? It says they gnashed their teeth together. That's, they got to that point. So when the gospel is preached, people will either turn against God and his kingdom or to it. And many years ago, I listened to a podcast by a, a lady named Penny Fulton. She's probably in her 80s now. She was one of the very, very first uh, vineyard uh, pastors, Bob and Penny Fulton, very well known in the vineyard, have been around since the 70s. And uh, by this time, Penny was again very, very, um, you know, had, you know, long since retired from ministry. But they were asking her questions. She was telling all the stories. And they said, what do you see that's coming ahead? This is a little 80-year-old you know, lady, vineyard lady. And she said, I feel like God's, um, there's two things coming. She said, there's going to be a great revival and then there's going to be a great persecution. And I, when I heard that, um, I don't remember anything else she said, um, but I heard that and I remembered that and I thought, that sounds like the Bible to me. And I'm not saying that necessarily it means that like, you know, like when we say persecution, people are like, oh no, I need to like store up water and like hide my Bible and play, you know, that could happen. But, like, don't, don't go there yet, because before that happens, um, very simply, what I think it means at first, persecution means, is that um, 
that you just may not be real popular. Because real Christianity is not popular. And this is going to bother a lot of people. Real Christianity is not popular. I'm not saying that thousands won't get saved. I'm not saying that a move of God will not happen and it won't be incredible. But we have to be prepared and filled with courage to stand out and be different. We must. And that's when the question comes of the Jesus revolution happening. Is the Jesus revolution happening? Is the Asbury revival is it, is it an emotion in your heart or is it something that went all the way into your soul and is going to bear fruit? Here's where the Jesus revolution needs to happen. I'm not discounting the movie. I love it. I have studied Lonnie Frisbee and Chuck Smith and John Wimber and all those people for probably hundreds of hours, maybe thousands. I'm not discounting it. But folks, the Jesus Revolution, the Asbury Revival, it needs to happen here. This is where it needs to happen. And this is what we have to call out to God to happen in us. In the average church, 20% of the congregants do 80% of the work. A Jesus revolution in our serving will flip those numbers, won't it? In the average church, 30% of the congregates support 90% of the budget. A Jesus revolution in our finances will change that, won't it? An average, when polled, and there's no shame in this, but 11% of Christians, professing Christians, have read through the Bible. A Jesus revolution in our devotional lives will change that, won't it? It will become more important to us than other things. Since the pandemic, 62% of professing Christians in the United States do something at their church Two times a month. No guilt. I'm just, I want a real Jesus revolution. I don't want a feeling. 62% of professing Christians are part of their church twice a month. The majority of professing Christians value being with their church only twice a month. A Jesus revolution will make us say, I got to go and get around these people because the Holy Spirit is burning like fire. And he's there, and I want to be part of it. I don't have a statistic for this, but I, I know from reading that the majority of, of uh, I don't know the number, but the majority of Americans can only name two to three of their neighbors' first names. A Jesus revolution in our neighboring would ignite us to go out into the highways and byways, meet our neighbors, be kind to them, bandage their wounds, offer them hope in their destruction and whatever's going on in their lives, on and on and on. And I bring this up as I talk about persecution because 
the, the, the questions for us, guys, it, it's not whether or not you went and sat at a revival meeting. And that's good. I've done that. I drove to Toronto 20 hours one way. We didn't stop. Well, we stopped like, to use the bathroom a couple times. Okay? So I value that. I value that. But what I value more is what happens in the closet, in the secret place, in our private lives. That is where Christianity, that's where fruit comes. All the rest is pretend. Anyone can have power. Anyone can have emotion. The real stuff happens. And that's why I bring this up under persecution because, guys, that's when it, it, the decision's there, isn't it? That's when it's like, is this an emotion? Am I just going on the bandwagon because it's cool and fun and all the pretty girls and good-looking guys are there? You know, you heard of fl flirt evangelism? Has anyone heard of that? I mean, it's a thing. Okay, that's like, and, and that's fine. Like, God uses all that stuff. But, but when they start dragging you away because you have a Bible, or, or, or you having to stand up and say, I just happen to believe there is absolute truth, and I just happen to believe in whatever statement comes out of your mouth, that's when we find out, are we doers or only hearers? So, we have to do the scripture justice. We can't just read. As last a couple weeks ago, I quizzed you guys, remember? And I quizzed everyone about the story about uh, Peter, I think it was, getting broken out of a prison by the angel. Remember that? And I asked you guys, what do you remember about the story? And we all remembered the, the great parts, but no one remembered that at the very beginning, he was with James, who got killed. Uh, stoned, I believe it was, for his faith. So we want to do the scripture justice and remember both. Well, let's talk about some exciting things. Oh, and let me just say this. Everyone say this with me. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Guys, I'm going to just empower you. I'm deputizing you now. If the Spirit of God is moving, you know what? We're all going to be here, like, who knows? A few more months, years, maybe a couple decades. Who knows? But, like, while you're still alive, pull the trigger. Say it with me. Pull the trigger on Jesus. You're talking to someone. This is not the primary evangelistic context for the church. It's out there. That's where it is. Your neighbors, your coworkers, the person aligned to you at Publix who looks sad, you can turn to them and say, hi, how are you doing today? And you never know what's going to happen. Who's had a divine encounter? Just asking a question like that to a stranger. Guys, look around the room. It's like half of us. Well, half started, okay? Everyone really raise your hand this time. Don't be sheepish. Okay, so I'm not lying to you. Like, I'm not lying to you when I tell you that if you'll pull the trigger, when I, when I say that, I'm saying there's one word that's the most important word that comes out of our mouths in any conversation, and it is Jesus. It is Jesus. I'm not saying everyone, you know, how's the peanut butter? Gee, it's Jesus. It's Jesus butter. I'm not saying to get super weird, but I'm saying, like, do you feel the world is broken? We have the light. And we're called to share that light. So, and, and I just have to tell you this because, you know, it's when people have told me, Jeff, like, just don't be scared. Like, bring him up. Bring him up. Bring him up. Bring, you, can, you can make it easier. It's easier to say God because everyone kind of believes in God. And then get to Jesus, and that's when the magic happens. The next thing that, that accompanies revival, i got to hurry, signs and wonders. It says in verse uh, 11 that God was performing extraordinary miracles by the acts of Paul. What kind of miracles were they? They were extraordinary. I studied the Greek on this. It didn't take long because the word extraordinary simply means extraordinary, not ordinary. Um, crazy things were happening. 
crazy things were happening. So um, who's been to like Olive Garden or Burger King or Outback, one of those places, McDonald's? Do you, do you stare at the menu? And like when you order your Big Mac, do they like go up to the menu and they pull off the men Big Mac, the piece of the menu, and they give it to you? No, they go make you a Big Mac, right? You don't like stare at the menu. A sign, a sign, guys, is the menu. A sign is the menu. It's pointing to something. And that something is Jesus. And the reason signs and wonders happen is they're pointing to something greater. If you're driving to Atlanta, do we all just park our car by the big green sign right close to Augusta that says Atlanta 121? And do we just stare at it? Boy, right, we drive to Atlanta. Exactly, you go there. It's telling you about something that's somewhere. And that's why all these things happen. That's why the miraculous happens. And it's wonderful when it does. It really is wonderful when it happens. We want to remember that it's a sign. And we don't want to get too weird, but we want to kind of be weird. And let me just say this, and I got a lot of notes. I'm just kind of blasting through and omitting most of it. But, you know, I, 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 this is really important to say, too. Um, anyone can have money. There, there's 13-year-old YouTubers out there right now that have more money than all of us combined. And they're, they're, it's true. It's, it's the truth. Don't be impressed with money. And here's the other thing. Anyone can have power. Anyone can have spiritual power. Satan has a lot of it. People are given power irrespective of their character. God just pours out. He gives people gifting. Whether they use it right or wrong is up to them. Don't be impressed by power. Don't be impressed by money. I have this written on my wall. Bernard of Clairvaux, he says this. Learn the lesson that if you are to do the work of a prophet, what you need is not a scepter but a hoe. If you're to do the work of a prophet, what you need is not a scepter but a hoe. And you see all that as we read in Acts, people, as we just saw, people trying to misuse power. But remember, it's a sign pointing to God, and it is supernatural, and it should be. So we can fully expect and eagerly desire all the full range of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to happen in our church and in the marketplace. Last Sunday, a bunch of us, God, it was awesome. Like 12 of you guys came to the mission. That was glorious. And we're at the mission, and there was this young man named Curtis, and two or three of us got around him, and we just felt... We just felt the, the wind blowing, and so we said, hey, we wanna, can we pray for you? He's like, yeah. And so we're praying for this guy. He just started the program there, homeless guy. And, um, and it was just awesome, just the, 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 the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. It was just obvious. I mean, it was obvious all throughout the room, you guys who were there. Was it not awesome? It was, it was incredible. Um, and so we're praying for this guy, and then people start getting words of knowledge, prophetic stuff, so that we're praying for people. And we're just asking God, I don't want to just pray for Aunt Sally and his dog to be better. I want to pray whatever you're doing this moment in his life. So then we wait and we listen. We say, come Holy Ghost, blah, blah, blah. Pray, 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 listen. And then people just began sharing him. And I got to witness, one person shared and said, um, hey, I, I just feel like this verse is for you. And his eyes just got super wide. And he's like, oh my gosh, like I went to church this morning, seven hours ago, the pastor, after the message, walked up to me, looked at me, put his hand on my chest, and said the exact same thing you guys just said. Now, how many verses are in this book? A lot, all right? So that's not coincidence. 
that is the supernatural sign. And that wasn't maybe as exciting as a handkerchief falling in someone's, you know, rabies going away or whatever. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. It's all the same. The point is the signs point to something. It's supernatural signs and power. And then the final thing is repentance and conversion. Verse 18 and 19, many who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And uh, they, they burned up all their stuff. It was 50,000 pieces of silver, which I did a conversion of the currency of that. That's about $20 million. Um, $20 million they just blew for Jesus. They're like, we're so in love with Jesus. Here, just burning all this stuff that was devoted to something else. And so, if you study any revival, including the ones that seem to be happening now around the world, they are uh, very, very much accompanied by repentance and conversion. And that's where I believe today we want to just land. Let's all stand. As John Piper said, a sovereign work of God where many Christians are lifted out of spiritual indifference and worldliness into conviction of sin, earnest desires for more of Christ in his word, joyful worship, dot, dot, dot. And so if, if we see that these people con- uh, repented and gave over uh, $20 million worth of their goods when the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on them, then um, we also, um, we look at that, and, and, and here's the thing, guys. What, what would happen to you and I in our life today? Is it? What day is it? It's February 26th, 2023. 23, 23. What would happen to us today if the Holy Spirit was given permission by you and I to come upon our life? And guys, I'm not talking about the shallow stuff, okay? Because I'm talking about the deep stuff. Stuff that is, is so deep that maybe you know about it and you just don't ever want to talk about it. But I'm talking about what if he was allowed in our lives to just come in and take us all the way out into the deep to get real with him. Not play church, not play Christian, and just say, Lord, Come upon me. I really only want you. Help my unbelief. And I give you, I give you my life. And I think when that happens, and when it happens to a mass group of people, um, God seems to do something special. You know, the good thing is, I feel like that's always been happening in this church. Just all 23 years. I just see such deep movement of God when you guys allow him and want him. As we follow this pattern, I just want to call us again this morning to just embrace whatever he would say, conviction, change, his fire coming upon us, and surrendering ourselves to him. So let's do that. Holy Spirit, we welcome you.